Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. All right, so we're going to switch gear now and focus on Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch. Brian, good morning to you. <laughs> I'm smiling when you say we're going to switch gear. Good morning to you. <laughs> How are you, Brian? I'm fine, thanks, and you? Uh, I'm well, thank you. So, of course, uh, last week was the last Tuesday of the month, but of course, but we didn't deal with uh, some of the questions, which is what we normally do, uh, deal with the questions that our listeners have sent through to you. Uh, so we're we going to do that today? Yeah, Cathy, just, just for some listeners who may have just joined the program, and hopefully we're getting more and more listeners coming onto, onto air. Um, yeah, I, this is, as you know, open financial program, but what I try and do is, I get all these emails and all these calls during the course of the month, and I try and just pick those that are of a, of a, of a common nature and try and deal with them in this particular program. It does, doesn't stop anyone calling in about any financial question they may have regarding their personal finance. No problem at all. So let's kick it off with the first question then, Brian. Um, should I pay off a debt or increase my savings? Yeah, well, look, this, this is not an easy question to answer because both disciplines must be dealt with. Mm. The, big, the big picture is you must live somewhere, and at retirement, you must have capital to provide you with an income. And for, the, for, and for this reason, where possible, you should be trying to do both. Um, with long-term uh, horizon, in, if you invest your savings in growth assets, you should be able to get a better investment return than the cost of paying off your bond. Just remember, your bond cost is your lowest cost. Then comes overdraft, then comes credit card, and then comes unsecured loans. So it's the lowest cost. One needs to realize that the money you, if you pay on your bond is with after-tax rand. So you first, if your bond, you're paying 7%, you first got to earn the money, pay the tax, and then pay off the bond. Uh, however, if you had to invest that money in a retirement annuity for long term, the contribution to a retirement annuity up to certain levels is tax deductible. So you're getting the tax deduction, so you're back virtually neutrally where you were if you were paying off the bond. But the, but, and it's very tax efficient and very, within the retirement fund, there is no, no tax. So it's very efficient, this type of investment. But the secret is to get the right balance. And I'm not in any, in, in any way comparing paying off debt, as I said, to the higher levels of debt. We mm-hmm. just compare paying off debt to your bond. And I think, you know, if you can afford to pay your bond, and even if the interest rates go up a little bit in the next few years, if you've got that money set aside, then you should be looking because you've got to have both at retirement. You can't just have a home and no money. So you've got to do as much as you can for both. If, if it's a matter of life or death, then, and, you, and you're going to pay um, your bond or make an investment, then there's no doubt about it in my mind. You pay off your bond. But for those who are looking and maybe have got a balance, then try and do that. Brian, some people also often struggle with, uh, depending on how much debt one may be in, with the question of, should I take out new debt to pay off old debt? No, terrible. Because <laughs> you, you probably, no, it's a great question, because often people are faced with that problem. Just remember that, your, as I said, your debt levels go up. The lowest debt is your bond, then comes credit card, I repeat that, then comes uh, overdraft, then ca- make, depending on what stores you shop at, whether they charge interest, and lastly is unsecured debt. 
You should try and consolidate your debt. In other words, if someone's got an access bond, and let's assume they've got 100 or 150,000 available in the access bond, and they've got debt of 150,000 elsewhere, paying a much higher rate of interest, they should increase their access bond, take the 150, pay off the other debt, but now they've got an extra 150,000. They don't want to convert that into long-term bond debt. So what they must now do is the monies they were paying on their other debt, the higher cost debt they must be putting into their bond. Inform the bond company what you're doing and try and pay that off, that additional 150,000 in anything between three to five years, which means you've covered your debt and you're paying it off at a lower rate of interest. That's the best thing you can do. All right. And it's and, and how does one initiate that process, Brian? Well, if you, you've got, you know, access bond gives you, if you've already paid off money on your access bond and you've put more money into the access bond, you just need to talk to your bondholder. But to go and borrow new uh, money to pay off old debt, the chances are you're going to be paying a lot higher mm. for the new money to pay off debt, which may be at a lower rate. You've always got to look at the most important thing is, what is the rate I'm paying? And if I pay, if I borrow a little bit more on A and pay off B, because B is charging me more, a higher rate of interest, then that's the way to do, to, to provide your, uh, handle your affairs. All right, Brian, thank you for that. Okay, let's get to our next question of the morning. How do I go about choosing the right unit trust? It's a question that we deal with a lot on the segment. Yes, uh, don't throw a dot because there are 2,000 of them. You know, dot boys have got 20 <laughs> numbers. Yeah. I mean, there are 2,000 of them, and no one can expect any financial planner to know how they all operate. You've got, there are regular tables reflecting performance on a quarterly, monthly, annual basis, three year. People often look at those tables and they see a company who's done exceptionally well. But you must remember, there is no, past performance is no guarantee for the future. There are also 20 different types of sectors that you can be investing in from low or high risk. You could be going money market, you could go bond funds, you could go stable funds, balance funds, you can go directly into general equities, you can go into financials, you can go into property. So, so, so you need to understand that someone's got to explain to you what risk you're taking on. Um, also, people, uh, I'm saying for small amounts of money, uh, you should be buying passive funds, not active funds. The difference between uh, you, get the, you get the exchange-traded funds and some of the generic names are Satrix and Signia. Uh, you get multi-manager where they will pick the funds for you. Um, and those aren't all, those are passive. In other words, they, they linked to the market or whatever sector you're going into, but the manager is not managing. Their cost is a lot lower. And depending on your, on, again, on your time horizon, uh, you're going to be more conservative, more, more growth orientated. Unit trusts, money market unit trusts are for short term, stable unit trusts the same. Bond funds fit into a category slightly longer than short term. Balanced funds have equities, properties, and, and, and some offshore. So again, you need to understand what am I trying to achieve? If I'm putting money into unit trust, for how long? How long am I wanting to save using this particular vehicle? And then 
really either go through the exchange traded funds, but you still got to know what sector you're going to know. Are you going to be investing in property? Are you going to be investing in financials? Are you going to be investing in technology? So it's always good to talk to a financial advisor. And I often say to people, if you need a financial advisor, most banks have financial advisors. Well, I should say all banks have financial advisors. We're all governed under phase, which means we have to make sure our mm. advice is appropriate and uh, you can talk to a financial advisor. All right. And the other question that we deal with quite a lot is around um, retirement annuities. So this one, should I start contributing to a retirement annuity now or only in February? Yeah, look, so many, look, the best time to contribute to retirement annuity is before the 28th of February in each year because whatever you put in, you get as a tax deduction. But sometimes people don't have, haven't accumulated that money come February. You know, intentions are good, but they don't have the money. Mm-hmm. So if you start in the 1st of March and you put money away every month, but come the end, the end of February, you're going to have contributed 12 months of that money. may make your life a lot easier. Uh, uh, and also you can always top up in February. You could, and if you contribute to a retirement annuity, even on a monthly basis, you can go to your employer, tell your employer you're contributing to a retirement annuity, and they will then automatically adjust your, ta- your tax table. In other words, the PAYE, because you're contributing to a retirement fund. So you can virtually get the tax deduction straight away on a monthly basis. And people can save up between anything between 15 percent and 45 percent on a monthly basis by contributing to a retirement annuity. So you're doing two things. You're reducing your tax and you've got a, and you've got a, a, a vehicle that's going to add to retirement savings in the years to come. And when it comes to equities, Brian, people want to know how, how long should they invest in equities for? Well, you know, I get people phoning me now, so I've been investing in the market for five years. It's my mm. five years back. Markets don't know calendars. Markets don't know 1st of January. They don't know Freedom Day and they don't know the 31st of December. They just know what's happening behind the scenes and fundamentals versus sentiment. So I say to people, even if you've been in the market five, seven, ten years, your future horizon is not one week, one month. Your future horizon is five years. So however much long you've been in the market thinking now my time is up, no, if you're going to stay in the market, you need to realize you've got to look five years ahead. Mm. If, that is, if that's too long for you, then you need to change the mix of your portfolio. You may need to downweight to something more conservative. But markets are always long to, uh, ahead. However long you've been, you're looking ahead for a further five, seven, ten years. And that's where wealth is created, by being patient and sitting in markets. But so often people re- reach the end of their term they, and, and they're going to need the money next year and they stay in the market and then the market drops and they wonder why. So if, you're going to, if you've been in the market and you've done well and you now know that you're going to need money in the next one or two years, you shouldn't be in the market. You should be moving to something much more conservative. All right. So I want us to quickly go to the phone lines, Brian, because we do have a couple of callers calling in who want to ask you uh, some questions directly. Of course, you can also uh, put your questions to Brian on 011-714-2006. Anonymous in Mpumalanga, good morning. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Anonymous. Yes, I don't know if we, we are allowed to, to, to ask that. Uh, we have an issue with the, one of the, the product fund. So now I think it was in the news about the administrator. I don't know if I'm allowed to mention the administrator name. <laughs> if you've got problems, yes, why not? Go ahead. Okay. Yes, uh, we have this uh, product fund that we are in. 
So now it was administrated by the NPC. So now there was an issue about that. Then they, I think now the Akani administrator, they took it over. Right. Yes, I don't know, it was a, something like a court battle or something like that. So now the problem is that some, they, uh, they uh, last sent their statement, I think around June. So some of the um, client on, on that, like uh, the, the beneficiaries, they don't get any update on their uh, financial status or even the widows that they have to claim. They are still waiting for seven, uh, seven months now to get their, paid, their, their claims to be paid. So now I don't know if you can maybe um, together with uh, Katie, maybe you can maybe um, uh, just try, try to find out what actually happened between uh, that NPC administrator and the Arkani that are currently now administering that uh, 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 fund. What's the name of the company you talk about, Aon? Sorry? Who's taken over the administration? It's Arkani. Arkani. I, I think it's AKA. And I. Okay. Will, will you go back to? Will you go back to our now? They'll take you back. They'll take you back. Uh, they'll take your phone number down. They'll send me the phone number, and I will phone you, and I'll see what I can do. Don't promise anything. As long, I can tell you, I'm having so mm-hmm. much trouble trying to help people with the government employee pension fund, and maybe maybe someone from the GEPF is listening to this program. Please. You've got members who've retired six months ago. They're still not getting their pensions. Mm. Surely people that are in retirement are entitled to get a pension. So if anyone anyone from the GEPF is listening, please, you've got to improve the service and provide your workers with far better service, and particularly those who are entitled to receive retirement monies. Sorry about that, Kathy. No, no problem. No so problem many, at all, Brian. I get so many callers, and I and I say to them, you know, this gentleman that's just called that will take back. I can phone. I can phone uh, um, the, the different people and get through. But GEPF, I, I I mean, I listen. To, they tell me how important my call is for half an hour. All right. Uh, so, Anonymous, what we're going to do is that we'll take down new details and we'll share them with Brian and he, he'll follow up then on, on your particular situation. And uh, as always, Brian always gives us feedback the following week. So we'll wait and hear what the issues there might be. GM Ntwane, good morning to you. Morning, Kathy. Morning, Brian. <laughs> Hi, GM. Um, we, 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 we are always encouraged, you know, it's been a battle with the fees especially on pensions and mm. retirement mm. retirement funds. We, I think loyalty is killing us. Whenever we approach the big companies, Old Mutual, Metropolitan, Sunlam, to renegotiate or even reduce, because programs like this ones open our eyes, um, it's very, very tedious. Now, my question is on the Section 14 transfers, Brian. Why does it take so long? to get it right or to get it sorted, especially when we transfer our funds from the old guard to the newer uh, uh, companies, especially the likes of Signia and and, and 10X. I I am trying with Signia, but it's taking so long. It's very Mm -hmm. tedious, especially if you are doing it yourself. I wanted to just know why does it take so long? Um, We try first because we are trying to be loyal and we've been putting money for so long with them, uh, saving for so long with them. But when we are reaching a deadlock and they are un- unrelenting and unwilling to reduce the funds, when we try to, to, to migrate 
it's taking so so long and mind you we are not specialists we are just laymen trying to just take our money and move it somewhere where we will be charged less so my question is that and is there any legislation where we can get recourse that the process can be quicker i'm definitely sure that it's not out of maybe 10,000 people maybe two uh, uh, or five are trying to do a section 14 on a monthly basis it's very very minimal but it's taking so so long very frustrating why right. is it like that okay. uh, all right gm brian thank you okay, let me answer that question there are, two, there are two different reasons for that. The first is to protect you. In other words, the actuaries of the company, that the company you're leaving, they have to get an actuarial valuation on the fund. They then have to send that actuarial valuation to the, receive, the new company that's going to receive the funds. Mm-hmm. That company then has to do the calculations to ensure that those figures are correct and only once the two actuarial, actuarial parties with the two companies have agreed on those figures, often they don't agree on those figures, that's why there's delay, but only after they've agreed on the money can the funds be transferred. So that's the, the protection is for you to make sure the money is transferred correctly. The fact that it takes so long, let me say this to you, and maybe I'm talking out of school and I can get, I can get someone shouting at me, but the company that's le- losing the money, is not in a hurry to do anything. <laughs> of course. It's, it's, just, it's just a file on their desk that gets put onto other files and it'll take its turn. The company waiting for the money wants the money because it can start charging fees. Mm. So that's really, in my opinion, what does happen. It's not an urgent matter for company A who are leaving, losing the money. It's more urgent for company B who are waiting for the money, but they've got to get from the company A the actuarial values, how they were calculated, and that's your protection. How long have you been waiting? Three months now. How many? Three months, Brian. Yeah, that's, I can tell you, in my experience, that's not long. But I, I would be putting pressure on them. I, I would actually be saying to them, you know, this is ridiculous. We, give us de- deadlines. We want deadlines now. So is there a broker involved who's making the move? No, no, no. I am doing it myself. Doing so it you are saying there's no legislation putting any deadline that at least after six months or at most six months should be any, now. I don't think there's any legislation. But just remember, your money is still invested with company A. It's not, yes. it's not as if they've taken it and cashed it in and put the money in a drawer. It's still invested. So it's not as if you're losing out on the investment return. What you may be losing out is if company A is invested in one particular strategy and you moving to company B, which has got a different strategy, because that's what you've selected, then maybe, but I would say after three months, you should be putting a lot of pressure on, putting, put, put more and more in pressure. Keep right. writing emails, phone, and make a real nuisance of yourself. All right, okay. Brian, GM, thanks for the call. Brian, we're going to have to pause it there. It's just after 10.30. Luyanda Maume standing by with your news. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We're continuing the conversation with Brian Hirsch. We're talking personal finance. Uh, Brian, just before we go any further, a quick message here for um, pensioners. This is in the, govern- in the government space that they can also contact the Public Servants Association. That's a message from one of the officials of the PSA if they're struggling to have access to their pension funds. Kathy, fantastic. You see, we do have some of these organizations listening to our program. So maybe something good will come of that. 
Did they get, so they just said PSA? Yes, so the Public Servants Association, what I'll do maybe is that I'll just uh, quickly ask the official to give us some contact details that will be most appro- appropriate for this. And uh, hopefully I'll get that before the end of our program. For now, let me go to the phone lines, Brian. Mr. Ntintili is calling us from Cape Town. Good morning. Mr. Ntintili. Good morning. Good morning, Sisi. Hi, hi, sir. How are you? Yes, I'm fine. Mm. Uh, yes, I'm. I'm having a problem. I had. A, I took my pension from the government pension to state to to a company, uh, Sunlam. Right. Yeah. Now it is. It is managed by company by Glacia. So. Due to the COVID period, I found that the the performance of of the investment, which is a of the investment, is, is is not doing well. And I I I I I am also having another investment in in here in Seapoint where I got the flat. Now and I'm I'm I've not paid cash that that I'm I'm pay I'm I'm paying some 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 installments. Now I require I I I thought that it is better the money from this fund which is from this fund, and put it into into the property business because the property is, is growing up. Even the income that I'm getting uh, from the property business, which is the rentals. Is going up by ten percent every year, but the one the the, the one in investment in, in with Sunlam, uh, which is the uh, the living annuity, is going down. Uh, from the beginning, I was getting twenty five thousand. By now, I'm getting plus minus twelve thousand. When I look at the amount of money that is left now, I'm finding I'm finding that in twenty twenty six or twenty twenty seven. This money will not be there. And yet, in the case of the property, if I take that money and settle the property, the property is growing every month, I mean, every year. And also, the rentals are growing every year. But Sandam is telling me that the act doesn't allow me, is treating me as if I, uh, I had a policy with them. And yet, I didn't. I don't have a policy. I didn't have a policy with them. But the only thing I took was the lump sum and put into that uh, living annuity, thinking that it would perform better. But it's not performing because of the the, the situation of the economy and mm-hmm. the world uh, pandemic that is is, is 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 happening, affecting the whole economy globally. Mm-hmm. So I thought that it it would be if I take that amount of money and settle the prop- the property so that the property remains mine and I'm also having a property a land that is open in, in, in the C B D in the case I've heard the story and let me and let me give you answers. The first answer unfortunately is not good news. Once you've transferred money into a living annuity, that means when you retire the two-thirds, you're allowed to take one-third in cash, two-thirds goes to buy a pension. When you buy a living annuity or any other annuity, because you can buy a life annuity, you cannot get access to those funds. 
So you cannot get access to the funds. Now let's talk about the investments. The either you know when you transfer to a living annuity, you've got to make two elections. One, how much, what percentage am I going to draw? And two, how am I going to invest those funds? So if you're drawing too much, and the funds are, are the value of the funds are dropping every year, your the monthly pension is going to drop, and then, and either. You've got to reduce your percentage you are drawing, or you've got to change the type of investment, or do both. So I don't know who did this for you, but the fact that you told me you're now earning you were earning twenty five thousand and now you're earning twelve tells me that the value of the fund has dropped and the economy has been in a state for the last five to seven years. The market's only started to move up now. Property funds have come on, come up, come come down. So I don't know where you're invested, but it's just a warning to so many people. When you buy a living annuity, understand the two components. Don't take, draw too much. You mustn't draw more than 4 or 5% as a maximum, and make sure it's invested in a portfolio that can protect the capital and grow the capital, but you're looking for both income and growth. So you've got to understand for anyone who's retiring, and people are retiring every month, and that's why I spent a little bit more talking about it. But unfortunately, once you've transferred out of your fund into Sunlum living annuity, it's not Sunlum's legislation, it's Penton's legislation. You cannot draw any funds out. You need to look at how much you're drawing and how you're investing. Nothing you can do about the past, but you can do something about the future. So, so, so Brian, what advice would you have for uh, Mr. Ndintili for, for the future? The, he's got to sit with a financial advisor. He's got mm. to look at what he's drawing and how he's invested. Mm. <clears throat> I have no idea what fund he's invested. <clears throat> for example, if you invest a million, sorry, <clears throat> if you invest, excuse me, I normally have that little button in the studio, but if you invest a million rand, and you're drawing 5% a year, which is 50,000 rand a year. If the fund achieves 8% and you're drawing 5%, then your capital will increase. Mm. Alternatively, if you're drawing 8% and the fund's only draw- achieving 5%, you're going to be eating into capital. And that's what it sounds like has happened in this particular instance. Again, if, if, he gives his, if we take his number down, he can, I'll, I'll, I'll call him, he can give me the details, and I can just tell him what has happened. But the one thing I can't help him with, and no one will help him with, is he cannot draw the money out of the living annuity. It is locked for his life. All right, Brian, I think we're going to have to leave it on that note for today. Um, okay. Your contact details again, just before we let you go. It's 011-880-4888. Please leave all your numbers, where you're phoning from. But I have an apology to listeners because last week was a strange week with Thursday, Tuesday being the holiday and some of my staff not being on Monday. My radio line wasn't cleared last week but my secretary's going today to clear the line. So if you didn't hear from me last week, it's because I didn't clear my box. But 011-880-4888. Kathy, have a lovely day and all the best to our listeners. Thank you so much, Brian. Looking forward to our conversation again next week, Tuesday. I must say, you know, you just we learn so much uh, out of these segments, even just from the questions and the, the issues that are being faced by different people. Um, it's certainly great to sit and, and listen to how to resolve some of these problems because it also means that we're better prepared in many ways, whether for our own lives, for those around us, uh, when having to make similar kinds of decisions. Uh, so Ruben Maleka from the PSA is uh, saying,
saying that those uh, pensioners who've been having difficulties accessing their pension funds, you can contact Ruben. That's R E U B E N dot Malika M A L E K A at psa.co.za. So Ruben dot Malika at psa.co.za. That's the email address you can use to get in touch with him. Of course, you can also use zero eight two. That's 082-903-6808 for all of the government pensioners who've been struggling with accessing their their funds.